every single day, our staff creates a little sheet, the kinds of answers that we got to, qu- to questions. How did you hear about us? Why were you shopping today? Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn the role of your website to drive customers that are ready to buy to a physical store, what questions your salespeople and customer service should be asking customers, and how to train salespeople when you have highly educated customers. Today, I'm joined by Mike and Lewis from Soaring Heart. Soaring Heart handcrafts exquisite organic mattresses and bedding from only the finest materials and was started originally in 1982 and based out of Seattle. Welcome, Mike and Lewis. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So tell us more about your roles at the company. So I'm Mike Schaefer. I'm the owner of the company and I bought the company from its founders in 2011. And uh, I've got, got a really uh, commit, a real strong commitment to handmade products as well as organic and environmentally sustainable footprint for all aspects of our business. So that's just kind of where we are today. And uh, we're eight years into it. And we've got all kinds of stories to share in the next, you know, umpteen minutes that we've got together. And uh, my name is Lewis Hess. I'm the director of sales and marketing here at Soaring Heart. Um, so just oversee all our sales channels and make sure uh, people are getting what they ordered quickly. Awesome. So, Mike, you mentioned that you have a passion for handmade products and organic products. Have you started businesses in the past? What's your background before you came into purchasing Soaring Heart? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I was reading the Shopify story. I was a technology guy before I started deciding to get into retail. I got into retail and I just didn't like a lot of things like my e-commerce platform. So I was really happy that uh, you guys were just around, well, by 2011, you had uh, tools that we could use and we jumped on board right away. So I have a manufacturing facility, right? We have seamstresses and bed builders and delivery guys. We have two brick and mortar stores in the Seattle area, and then we have the web channel. So we have a lots of different uh, kinds of things going on, and uh, obviously we want to talk about the the web channel and everything we do online with Shopify. But uh, you know, like I say, my background is was really in technology and trying to find great ways to shop online. Got it. So what made you make this purchase, this acquisition? Like, What was it that made it attractive to you? What did you see about Soaring Heart that made you realize that you wanted to buy the business back in 2011? Great products. I mean, really, that's what it's all about. Um, you know, you got to be in business with something you really like to uh, sell that you, we had, what, 30 years of great customer testimonials and uh, a wonderful reputation in the market. So the brand was already out there. Their reputation was already out there. Uh, you know, my feeling was just it needed a stronger marketing message and uh, a bigger market that more people could benefit from our product if they just knew about us and, uh, you know, uh, knew how to buy it. So there you go. Yeah, that's a good point where a lot of people, when they look at acquiring a company or acquiring a business, maybe not a full-on company with assets and a retail location like you guys did, but maybe just something smaller like an e-commerce brand, they're thinking about what kind of value that they can add themselves that would justify the purchase and actually increase the value of the business once they own it. So when you looked at Soaring Heart, how confident were you? I guess maybe a better question is what made you confident that you had the pieces to take it to the next level? Well, yeah, you know, there's just a variety of things. I mean, so what, do you have all the legs of the table? And it's, lots of times you don't. But, you know, you need to have great products. You need to have great salespeople. You need to have a great brand and marketing. Um, I think all of those things kind of float. Some days you're really strong on your sales team. Sometimes you're hiring new people and you're much stronger on the message. I'd like to jump in here. Yeah. So I think what Mike really brought to the company is he has an outstanding vision around that organic message, the handmade message, and just uh, really committed to, you know, defining the company along those lines and uh, just does a great job of kind of driving the vision towards the future of, you know, making sure that we're always, you know, goal oriented and trying to be better, make things better. 
um, you know, find the finest material. He literally scours the globe, um, you know, traveling, <laughs> I like <to> travel. <laughs> <laughs> looking for new suppliers. And so uh, I think that, that that's just something that's uh, probably too close that he might not even see because it's just part of him to be driven and vision oriented. So, well, and really I, think, I think that's a good clarification too, Lewis, is you've got to have a product that you believe is valuable in the market. And the mattress industry, not that I ever expected it to be so disrupted in the last few years, but there's a lot of venture capital investment in our industry to try to change the way consumers shop for mattresses. There was no such thing as the online bed in a box. There was no such thing as all these startup companies. Even in 2011, it's all been happening really in the last three to five years at most. So uh, a lot of disruption, and I think it's really helped us stay focused on handmade, organic, certified organic, trusted, you know, environmentally sustainable products, which a lot of these, uh, you know, all polyester, all bed in a box kind of packed in China and shipped over here. Hey, there's a market for that. That's clear. That's clear. But we are not competing in that market. We are sticking to our vision. We're sticking to our guns. And, uh, you know, I don't want to have 100 mattress stores on every street corner in every city. I really just want us to have the best product that we can build. And that's a different kind of vision than a lot of people that jump into to, um, uh, you know, competitive online spaces like this. Right. Like you mentioned, you guys were already in the game. The business was started in 1982, so you guys were already well into the game of selling mattresses before the disruption started happening. What was your reaction at the time? One day when you know, Casper started coming out and marketing heavily, a lot of venture capital came into the space. What did you guys foresee at that time? Well, you know, I, part of me had a had to just kind of step back and laugh kind of going really these guys are raising you know i think the first round of venture capital for casper was like nine million dollars and the, the industry was all a buzz that uh you know they basically they basically had one product and they were going to spend that nine million dollars on advertising and i thought my god we've been in business 30 years there is no way i'm ever going to have a nine million dollar <laughs> advertising budget in, and then i'm not going to go get a bunch of investors with you know i think we have 500 different products on our website and i mean maybe that's a problem right maybe we should only have two or three but when it's just just like wow if you guys think you can come in here with one product and all this money and uh you know and they are they're making money left and right but they're also suing each other. I mean, I think the lawsuits started in 2016 where, you know, you're faking your testimonials, you're stealing my market share, you're you're saying bad things about our product. And I'm just like, my God, it's all the lawyers and the bankers that are, are in here. And, you know, they make, I, I, hey, you know, anybody can buy any kind of bid they want. But I truly believe there's a huge, huge benefit to great sleep by buying a product that people build with care. And you just don't see that in the marketplace. And you certainly don't see it in these mega store, mega brands that uh, are all about marketing pizzazz. So I'm really happy we got two yeah. people that build beds. I got three people that sew. You know, we are not trying to have 100 people in the back room uh, cranking out beds with big machines, you know. Um, yeah. well, I kind of laugh. My biggest machine is a sewing machine, you know? So <laughs> we're not a business model that a lot of people understand. Yeah. And I think uh, from a marketing perspective for Soaring Hard, it's hard, uh, you know, because it's hard to ignore the, the major bed-in-a-box brands and those online to customer uh, beds. But I think the key that I always end up focusing on is that by offering multiple products like we do, and we truly believe that, you know, people need a customized sleep system and uh, that sleep is important and that it's something that you should, you know, think hard about and that, you know, you should invest in the good materials. Whereas, you know, a lot of those bed in the box models are the opposite message that sleep isn't important. Everybody's the same. Here's the one bed that, you know, everyone can sleep on and, uh, yeah, I think we're just kind of at odds with that message that we want people to be comfortable and get something just for them. Right. So at the time you purchased, when the Soaring Heart acquisition happened, was there already an online presence or what was the work that was put that you had to put into building the e-commerce side of the business? 
All right, so I'm going to I'm going to age myself because I'm going to presume a lot of your uh, audience uh, was around in 1998 when we opened our first website and uh, kind of remembers what it was like to even pretend to do online shopping in 1998 uh, when we opened our first website and uh, I have lots of funny uh, kind of stories that I got from the old owners and the old staff and you know I love things like the Wayback Machine where you can go back and look at old websites but uh, you know it's a one thing in those days it was more just getting out information about your store so that people could read online and we didn't even start trying to sell anything online until two years later, like the year 2000. And in that time, you know, just trying to remember what Visa card security was like and how you're processing sales online. I mean, my God, the kinds of things that could have gone wrong that uh, it's probably good we were small and not doing a lot of business <laughs> online in those days, right? So, uh, you know, it, until you guys came along and offered us a solution that we could afford that gave us more functionality than we even dreamed about trying to find and leverage on our own, we didn't really have a lot of tools to support our customers. And then uh, uh, once you guys started uh, offering tools that we could just give a better shopping experience to our our web sales uh, changed dramatically. Now, maybe you can say that it isn't all tools. It was also consumers uh, jumping in and feeling a lot more comfortable buying items online. But for a lot of businesses in those days, really, the website was just a tool to get people into your store. Mm -hmm. And I think um, uh, really we had a we were pretty committed. Our mattresses are have always been foldable. They always have fitted in a box. We've we've never had to worry about you know these giant square unfoldable mattresses showing up on somebody's door. So we were maybe particularly suited to um, uh, online shopping experience better than we knew, you know, <laughs> uh, until these other guys started showing up and saying, wow, look how cool it is to ship a bed in a box. We thought, well, God, we've been doing that for years. <laughs> we were just maybe a little slow. We didn't think about getting a million dollars to advertise that. We just didn't know any other way to ship the mattress. <laughs> so, so speaking of selling online or being the website is for information or for sales, what about today? Are most of the sales coming from the physical retail or just shifted over to e-commerce these days? We're still, I mean, like I say, we have, we have two stores and the website. So our, I'd say, you know, a third of our business is the website. But the stores, I mean, we really love people to lie in our beds and try it. And when, you know, it's not like we... Um, yeah, we have four or five standard versions, but we custom build beds. I mean, we build to what you want. So it's better. Um, we love it when uh, people have the opportunity to come in and tell us about, you know, what part of the bed needs to be softer or what kind of chemical sensitivities they have. Yeah, that pushes that pushes us to build the best we can. And uh, lots of places can't do that custom work. Hey. Real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. So two-thirds of the business then is in physical retail. How does that customer journey begin? Do most of them just walk into the store or most of them would do their research, find you guys online, read more about you yeah. online, and then come into the store? Yeah, absolutely. The Most of the time when people find their way here, they've spent a lot of time on the website. They're very well educated. They've already... Uh, you know, bought into the vision and the ethic. Um, and that's why it's hard for us to quantify web sales a lot of the time because, you know, the, the website is a great starting point. But, you know, every couple weeks we have someone flying in from either L.A. or Boston or somewhere that, you know, wants to buy our bed and just wants to come try it out. And it's a good excuse to come to our beautiful city um, so, you know, a lot of things happen over the phone too, where, while we're both working the website in tandem. So it's a, a critical tool to the business. Um, just not every conversion takes place in our shopping cart. Um, 
you know, because there's a lot of people just want a, a little more information and want to connect with. A yeah, human. I mean, I would say we really studied those uh, online analytics. And one of the things I noticed even when I bought the company way back in 2011, our customers, our shoppers spend a lot of time on our website reading the text. We're a text heavy website. And uh, but, you know. So if you're shopping organic, you really want to understand uh, what organic means in our industry and why our certified organic products are certified. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And it's not like an easy thing to explain to someone who cares. And someone who cares wants to read the details. They want to see our certificates. They want to look at the certification websites. And so there's just a lot more, um, I don't know what to call it, stickiness, you know, mm -hmm. or curiosity so uh, our, our customers, my God, they can they can run circles around us with the kinds of questions they have. But we love it, you know. An educated consumer is just the best thing. Um, so so yeah, we uh, we have people. I think the average is still when somebody comes to our website, they're there for ten minutes, and we know you know where they are in the website and what they're looking at, and a lot of it is that organic information. It's, I mean, pictures count. Don't get me yeah. wrong. We we love our lovely pictures. Pictures bring people in, but then they want the details. Right. So, how do you know what kind of information, what kind of education you should be giving to your customers? How did you guys learn about what kind of content to produce? I think the customers led the way on that. You know, spending a yeah. lot of time on the phone and hearing, you know, the same, you know, category of questions. Oftentimes. Uh, you know, it just makes it real easy. Like, obviously, that's not clear enough. And, you know, keep moving things around until hopefully it's clear that, uh, you know, what everything means. Like Mike said, what what do our certifications mean? Why do we hold the GOTS and GOALS certifications as opposed to others that are out there? Um, you know, what where our materials come from, how they're processed. Um, it's all yeah, I, I mean, I have to laugh because I come at it as the owner kind of from the supplier's perspective, and I get to meet our producers. So, like, if you meet sheep ranchers who produce organic wool, they're these are special people. I mean, they are not just create. They're not just ranching sheep because they love their sheep. They're they of course they love their sheep. It's not, but they're they're feeding them premium feeds. They're worrying about the kinds of chemicals and disinfectants and cleansers that they use. They're really focused on different options to maintain the health of their herd. And they love it when they find a buyer like me who cares about the extra steps they make. So it's, it's you know, they're, they're not making money off the wool. I mean, you know, that's the sad part about this. So when I go buy organic wool, I learn a lot about the process that maybe, you know, every shopper doesn't want to hear about. So, I, don't, I mean, I could... I could write and write and write, but you know, it's not like I want to put 20 pages of information about this year's wool buy, but I could, you know. So Lewis and the sales team like, like get me to back off and say, hey, listen, people really want to know about comfort. You know, they it's nice to have a picture of a cute sheep and all this stuff, but we're really talking about comfort. And so uh, you know, not overwhelming people with information is part of the puzzle too. What are some things that surprised you from both sides? What are some things that maybe you didn't expect customers to care about that once you put in the kind of con that kind of content, that kind of information, everyone was super excited or became very helpful in the sales process? Do you have an example of any kind of content like that? Uh, for me, I think one of the surprising things um, that I've learned in the last few years, and it, I, I mean, I knew it from my personal experience as well, um, people have just horrible sleep experiences. And I think just having um, folks like our sales team listen to the kinds of challenges people have with their sleep and talk about how our, our we're not doctors, we're not, you know, we, we can't solve people's medical problems, but we can certainly understand, you know, what's the difference between a mattress that's too soft or off gases or, you know, there's mattresses that you buy from bed and a box stores that you open them up and they say, you know, let this air out for two or three days before you sleep on it. And I'm like, 
How do you know that three days is enough? Should it be four? I mean, what, you know, this is just like, I wouldn't put my kids on something that you were told not to sleep on for three days ever. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have, I'm fortunate that I have lots of customers that feel the same way, right? Yeah. So that kind of information is something I didn't expect was going to be so compelling to the consumer. Yeah. But uh, the there is just a tidal wave of of bad sleep hygiene. Yeah. Um, uh, the need to teach people about how to you know turn off the computer, get rid of the blue light in your house, uh, you know, have time for your kids to decompress because um, otherwise we're all just going to be bouncing off the walls the rest of our <laughs> life anyhow. So so trying to talk about great sleep is just uh, another thing that, um, you know, we probably could do more of. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's what we talk about with yeah. people when they come into shop. So your education is not just around the particular product, but just in general their problem that your product is part in that solution. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, something that was surprising for me to see is like when we started writing some blogs that were based off of the frequently asked questions, like how long they get traction for, like we wrote one that's uh, called like, what is a shiki bouton anyway? Because uh, it's a, a, a thin Japanese style mattress that we make and sell here uh, that people are very curious about. And to this day, it always you know, pops up in the top because people are curious about those things and want to learn more. And it's just like, oh, wow, yeah, there's there's a lot of people out there that, you know, one question probably represents a, a hundred people scratching their head wondering the same thing. So, yeah, people just don't realize like how much polyester fabrics or plastic fillers are used in our household products. And so, you know, um, you know, where does some of this plastic stuff from polyester fabric comes from? come from? A lot of it, you know, yeah, it might be recycled carpet or something like that, but I don't want recycled carpet in my mattress. So, you know, it's you, you we benefit from, uh, you know, pretty much every mattress we sell, we pick one up and take it to a recycling place. And mm-hmm. uh, there's times I'll watch them tear those mattresses apart to recycle and go, oh, my God, whoever thought that would be inside of a bed, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, so does that mean are most of the customers that become your customers, are they the ones that are initially uninformed where you're kind of the first ones to break the bad news to them? Or is it the customers that come in and they're like, yes, I already know that there's a terrible, that there's terrible chemicals in every other mattress out there. That's the reason I came to you. What's the kind of breakdown between the two? Is there benefit in spending? Let's say you're on a budget. Is is there benefit in spending and investing in customers that don't know anything yet? And your job's kind kind of to be the first person to introduce them into the market. Well, I think that that's what the website does a great job of is even if uh, a customer is new to the concept, it provides uh, a good, you know, uh, survey of what the mattress landscape looks like in our organic space. And, uh, you know, most of the time on the sales floor, people are educated. They want organic. Um, we have a store in Bellevue, Washington, that's on a street where we get a lot of walk-by people who may not know the story, but, you know, that's where, you know, our salespeople do a great job of, you know, educating them of, uh, you know, what's going on. We we definitely don't try to, you know, emphasize negative points. They just, you know, we reinforce why we're here and why we believe in it and why we think sleep is important. And then, uh uh, you know, if people ask us about the bed they sleep on, it's just like, yeah, well, we know what's in it. And if it's okay for you, that's all right. Yeah, but yeah. it's not. I mean, I get like, you know, um, what is what's comfortable sleep? One, one of the biggest challenges in comfortable sleep is heat. People are too hot or too cold. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges with polyester fabrics is that they reflect heat. So we've never used polyester fabrics. Now, mm-hmm. did we do it out of out of thinking it was not going to reflect heat. No, we did it originally because it's not organic. <laughs> but then we, you know, when we started hearing from our customers that, wow, I sleep so much better because you have breathable fabrics. And so that ability to have breathable fabrics that wick moisture from your body, it improves the sleep experience. 
So our issues, yeah, we might believe in organic, but the driver is caring about comfort. Mm -hmm. And that's that's just something you don't find when you shop at a mega store with people that sell brands that they've never been to the factory, that they can't go and, you know, talk to the suppliers and understand the difference between, you know, an organic fabric and a non-organic fabric or the kinds of fire barriers or chemical fire retardants that so many places use. There's just a lot of choices that consumers have these days. And, you know, education helps. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I, I hesitate sometimes to have too much text on the site, but I think the navigation tools that Shopify gives us, hey, if somebody doesn't want to read all the text, you know, click here and go off to the things you do, you do care about. So uh, I'm really thankful that the navigation has improved so much in the last few years. And I'm confident you guys are going to keep making it easier for the <laughs> shopper. So it makes our job a lot easier. Right. You mentioned a blog as a way that you're able to educate the customers. What other ways on the website do people come in kind of to consume content and learn more about the products, the problems in the marketplace, and your solution? Yeah, we try to have a little bit of everything. We have a little bit of video, imagery, bullet points, infographics, you know, links to other sites, um, you know, the same information just, you know, said differently, worded differently. So, uh, you know, we try to, uh, you know, give something for every type of learner. Recently, we tried on our homepage uh, catering three different messages for three of our um, shopper know, profiles. Shopper yeah. profiles. So trying to speak specifically to people with either pain issues, a luxury shopper, or the people who are more into the uh, eco message. Um, so just trying to tailor the message in a way that people will hear it and want to consume it. And we, you know, are, are on the website every day, changing little things and moving stuff around to just, uh, keep tweaking until, you know, we feel like we've got something that's really, really working. Yeah. For anyone obviously out there listening, can't see this, definitely recommend checking out their site. You can see them breaking down what you're saying about pain, allergy relief, people looking for luxury, then of course people that are looking for sustainability. So I think that's really cool that you're able to represent all of that on the site itself. So when you think about how to put all this together and design a site, how do you know what kind of profiles exist? How did you know what kind of profiles you should include and should address on the site? A lot of research. I mean, we, uh, you know, have had, uh, you know, the University of Washington, uh, a student group do a deep dive into our database to see what they come up with, anecdotal evidence from the sales team, you know, assumptions about the marketplace, and then, you know, just a lot of roundtable discussions and then uh, narrowing down, you know, who do we think we should be talking to, Um so yeah, yeah. There's a couple. There's a couple um, observations that I uh, I think help any entrepreneur with their business, and I think one of the ch challenges of a web only business is you don't get to meet people when they're in your store, mm -hmm. and uh, and we love it. I mean, we don't want people to come in the store and buy the mattress in a half an hour. Um, you know, we're we're trying to say, you know, it's hey, spend two hours, come back two or three times, mm -hmm. lay in a bed, take a nap. So we have lots of opportunity to get to know our customer, and um, every single day, our staff creates a little sheet of uh, uh, with the kinds of answers that we got to qu to the questions. How did you hear about us? Why were you shopping today? You know, um, I, you know, good for us. More than half of our customers that come into the store are here by because they've been here before, or they're referrals from somebody else, which. You know, hurts my uh, my ability to feel confident about all the advertising <laughs> money I spend. But you know, that's a really good thing to have, and just knowing, you know, um, how to reward loyalty, how to get people to tell their friends. Um, that is just great business practice. So having the ability to look at the information that we get every day, every week, every month um, from people that walk in the store, and then compare that with the kind of information that we get off of the shopping experience online, you know, whether it's SEO analysis or or looking at where people drop off the website or what pages they spend more time on, 
you know, I think by really, um, you know, I call it listening to the customer, but it's not just listening. You gotta, you gotta write down the stuff that you learn, and then you've got to compile that information and hunt for trends. And that is just a constant, constant effort. And you yeah, know. and I'd give a shout out to Shopify here on their analytics. Uh, they make it real digestible and real easy to. Uh, look at things and do it quickly and easily and you know the information's right and referring websites and you have links right to the website that was referring traffic and you could take a look and that makes makes it a lot easier to, to identify where your customers are coming from. Can you say what is the most important metric to you when you're sitting down and making a maybe large marketing decision? <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. I, I, I like to say that I, uh, in the years that I've been doing it, I have, the, you know, I, I have a process that works and all these great insights. And, you know, every time we kind of laugh sitting around the table going, well, all right, you know, we're doing it on the back of the envelope again, because there's always changing factors. I think that the first thing that I always look for is what's the trend. And so, you know, over months, over quarters, over years, like, what's happening with the number of hits and the amount of conversions. And we're fortunate. We have lots of hits. But, you know, like everybody, our conversion rate could be a heck of a lot higher. And so then it's just kind of a matter of, okay, I don't need to drive more people to find our site. I mean, always could do that. But I really need when they're there to turn them into shoppers or understand are they, you know, just looking up our address and coming into the store or what? So, so uh, you know, we, we play around with, like, what could we do to change the conversion rate? And I like to think that, that people aren't just motivated by sales and discounts. But every time I try to do something that's, you know, a, a less tangible, what I think is more fun, more engaging benefit, the truth is, any price discount always seems to drive <laughs> people's commitment better than anything else we do. And, <clears throat> you know, it's not like I have a lot of inventory to discount. There's some mm -hmm. reason to give people a deal. But it's like, okay, people like deals. It gets them to say this is the month to buy, so we're going to come up with deals. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's the kind of messaging that – you know, you got to sometimes the sales team has to knock into my head and say, you know, we need a discount. What are we going to discount? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know. Let's see what we have. So, you know, we laugh about it. But, you know, some things I wish we could do different and other things. It's like, hey, that works. I'm a value shopper myself. So why wouldn't I expect that everybody that comes to our website is a value shopper? So. Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier to draw people in through the top, but it's turning those customers into shoppers where the business actually happens. So you mentioned deals and discounts being one of the things that you do. Is there anything else? What's what's number two? What's the runner-up that seems to drive the most conversions? Yeah, like our, our the integration with MailChimp to Shopify works really well. You know, we build that email list every month and being able to send them, you know, uh, an informational email just about, you know, what's going on here or interesting events that we're doing uh, along with, you know, later in the month, maybe a promotional message or just an educational piece like seasonality, like, well, it's, you know, almost summer. Maybe we should think about changing our bedding to something lighter or linen sheets. And uh, I think the our email list is one of the most valuable marketing assets and the way that we can have the integration to Shopify to have that pop up and people opt into that is just uh, really Yeah, great. I mean, I think another thing that's been, that's been fundamental for us, I call it customer service, but the online shopper these days is just used to um, fast turnarounds and 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 the best guarantee or return policy that you can imagine. And we really had to scratch our heads and kind of go, you know, what's the risk involved in, um, you know, guaranteeing, a, you know, a 30 day comfort guarantee or a 90 day return policy and all this stuff. And, and the truth is that's really important to shoppers because whether it's shoes or mattresses or jewelry or whatever, everybody expects that, oh, if I open up the box and I don't like it, I can just send it back tomorrow and it's not going to cost me anything. Mm -hmm. We are really, really fortunate. We have an amazingly low return rate. Um, people 
who shop organic and shop handmade know that this is just something that, you know, we we try to ship in three days, but a lot of times we have to tell people, listen, it's going to take more than two weeks to get this to you because we're going to build it after you order it. And uh, people can be patient with that. Um, and then when they get it, my God, we get beautiful thank you letters and mm-hmm. it was worth waiting for and all that. But it's a different kind of shopping experience. And um, we have to just get people to embrace that uh, sometimes faster isn't better. Better right. is better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's about expectations, right? Because these type of customers you have, they understand it's more of a high-touch product, high-touch service that's going to take time. So what are you doing when you are trying to figure out the calculations for whether you can support this kind of return policy? Uh, you take a look at you know your the amount of returns you're taking across all channels and uh, you know, what percentage that represents. And then that with shipping both ways on a big mattress is, you know, that's could be quite a bit that can eat up all your profit if you have to ship it there and ship it back. So, uh, you know, just paying attention to the the profit margin and the shipping rates and uh, making sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's like we were saying, I'm not going to mention any competitors names, but some of these bed and the box stores, like if you have a problem with the mattress, they say, okay, we'll send your money back. Would you please donate it to charity or something? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, I wish I could afford to tell people who are unhappy with our product to donate it to charity. I mean, that's, that's an admirable thing to do, but I can't afford that. We're too small of a business. Mm -hmm. So we really want to make sure that when somebody places an order, they're getting what they want and that we're, they understand that we're building it to what they've asked us to do. Mm -hmm. So I think going that extra mile up front pays off in, in customer satisfaction and some of the kind of testimonials that we've gotten. Right. And so being authentic about it and, um, uh, just letting people know, hey, it really hurts if you don't like our product. Um, what did we do wrong? Uh, you know, it's not like, um, you know, oh, I got a red shirt and I wanted the blue. You know, it's for us. It's well, why is you know why isn't this comfortable? What what disappointed you? And that's a, a you know, hopefully a more engaging uh, conversation um, uh, that uh, you know brings us closer to the customer and. Um, and I think that Mike made the point earlier that like we really focus on making a, a, a great product, which I think is the backbone of our company. That like it really is a story of you know making a superior product and that being the driver of your success, um, uh, which is I think important in a lot of. A lot of other companies are always looking for ways to cut corners or make things cheaper or faster, um, but just focusing on doing it right and doing it with the best materials uh, results in a higher customer satisfaction rate. Right. So you said to me that working closely with all your suppliers, you are able to know the products and know what, they, what they're being made with and they're being made with the best ingredients that you can find. What does it mean to work closely with a supplier? How do you know to make sure that you are happy with everything that goes into your product? Well, for me as the owner, I think the first thing is I visit them. I mean, I think this is this is just kind of one of the perks and things I care about. Um like, you know, I've been to India. I see where I've gone to the certified organic rubber tree plantations where our rubber sap is harvested. And I've watched it, um, you know, being moved from uh, the tap on the rubber tree to the truck, to the processing plant, to the mold that it's uh, cast in and the bag that it's shifted in the container to overseas to us. And I know every step of the process and every cleanser or or fumigant or whatever else is used in order to get this great product to us. And I'll tell you, they, they love, um, our suppliers love to have people come and visit because most purchasers don't have the time or the effort. And I kind of laugh because, you know, we're not even, I don't know, 5% of some of these people's business. And so you look at all of the people that, that come in and companies that buy and they never have a buyer on site. They never have anyone caring and asking about the processes. So um, our ability to go that extra mile 
um, you know, these people sent us Christmas cards. They mm-hmm. sent us pictures of their kids, you know. <laughs> they love the fact that somebody really wants to buy the best product they can make. And it, um, you know, keeps them on their toes and they're happy to do it. You guys have both products that are custom built and ones that are also ready to ship? Correct. Got it. What's the process like for a custom build? If someone wants to place an order, what happens? What's the next step that happens after that? Yeah, so when somebody wants something custom, usually we ask for a template or depending on uh, you know what the request is, typically it's just resizing one of our items. Um, so instead yeah, of people a, like with a boat, you know, they, right. they want a bed that fits on a curved wall of a boat. We can do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, or a crib that they've, you know, an antique crib that's been in their family forever and they need some size mattress. So we'll start by what's the size and the shape and the, the, what they're looking for. They can lay in any of our beds or talk to us about how firmness, mm-hmm. what kind of firmness they want. And we pick from our selection of latexes to build that everything we build has to pass uh fire certification regulations which we do through some uh, amazing um organic wool that stops it kind of it's a great fire barrier without any chemical sprays or uh, polyester fabrics so uh you know then we just build according to our I don't know, they're not secret processes, yeah. but our 35, 35-year-old processes that yeah. have worked over and over. And yeah, and the first step is, you know, getting the fabric cut for the item. So we take it to the sewing department, you know, and you let our lead cutter, you know, cuts all the different fabrics, hands it off to our sewing team. They sew the encasements up. It's then passed off to our bed builders slash assemblers that you know, either stack all the cotton and wool inside there and tuft it by hand or, you know, wrap the latex in the wool and get the encasements around the product and put it all in the bag. We write the customer's name on it and Mm. hand it to shipping and off it goes. Did you always offer custom mattresses? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of funny that when the company was started in 1982, it was really more focused on traditional Japanese uh, futons and kind of using traditional handmade processes uh, for making, folding, and um, uh, restoring beds. All of our mattresses, for example, can be rebuilt uh, anytime. Like if you spill something on it or whatever, we don't want you sending our mattress to the landfill. We want to rebuild it and send it back to your house to be used for the next 20 years. So we've always, uh, you know, everything we build is handmade. So, you know, when you say what's the difference between custom and, and our normal handmade, it just, you know, we, we make a lot of queen-size beds that are standard queen-size beds, right? But if you need uh, something done where it's firmer on one side or softer on the other or with a, a different uh, fabric or whatever, we can do all that. So it's just uh, we've been doing it for so many years, um, we've got a great uh, library of uh, how-to manuals <laughs> that allow us to pretty much feel confident about everything we, anything we get asked for. How would you recommend a business owner to think about whether it is feasible to add these kind of customizations to their business? What should they be looking at? It's capacity-oriented. I mean, obviously, custom projects take longer, but I think it's more ad- attitudinal. For me, like, I just have a real hard time saying no. (laughs) You know, like, I want... Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, we want the customer experience is the end goal. That's what, no matter what you're selling or what you're trying to do, your end result should be an extremely happy customer. Um, So doing whatever it takes to, to make sure that you're going the extra mile. And if, you know, if you know you can do it, then do it. But I know there are some... Some things out there, you know, we do have to say no sometimes, and it breaks my heart when people, you know, want an item we just can't make or is just not feasible or, you know, they wouldn't want to pay the price it would cost to produce that item. So, um, you know, it's all about, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, you're you're able to do it and do it in a timely manner and just setting expectations. You know, if you right. you say we can definitely do that custom project, but it might be two, three months from now, 
Um, I'll give you yeah. another example that's that's um, kind of pertinent in the mattress market these days. Since the bed in the box craze started, the people that manufacture machines to roll pack mattresses, like you can take a queen size mattress that's got a six to eight inch spring in it and put it in a roll pack machine where it gets compacted to less than a foot and a half around. And then, you know, wow, it goes in a UPS box and off it goes. And those machines cost about $175,000. And you see the people lined up at trade shows of, wow, I just can't imagine in my business plan, how do I save $175,000 and go get one of these really cool new machines? That is like the last thing I ever want around here. <laughs> we are never going to try to get our mattress to be compacted like that. I mean, my God, again, like you just ruin all the effort that we went through to have a particular type of, of softness um, customized for the customer. So you've got to have business goals where you can look at the kind of of opportunities that come your way from every salesman on the block and say, do I really need to invest in that kind of a machine? Do I, do I really aspire to have a company like everybody else has? And, you know, why, why, why not ask my customer, hey, can you have a bigger box come to your door than mm -hmm. what you might get out of one of these huge investments in a machine? So again, there's a place for those things, and they've really uh, uh, made the mattress industry more efficient for for folks who don't need to buy organic and don't need to buy custom. I don't aspire to have a product for everybody in the country, but for people who really care, um, we go that extra mile, and uh, that is a it's important to me, and it's a good <laughs> differentiator for people that shop here. So let's talk about operations a bit. How large is the team that's working there today? We have 18 employees, about half of them on the sales floor and half of them in manufacturing and shipping. When you say you have 500 products, which is a ton of products, and you have a physical location, people are coming in and they're educated customers coming in to talk to your, your, your staff about the product. How do you train staff to be able to talk about 500 products? Uh, well, the good news is, is that a lot of the products we carry are ones we make and our inputs... Uh, are pretty finite. We use organic wool, organic cotton, organic latex, some organic fabrics, and then a few other pillow fills like kapok, wool bolus, and buckwheat. Um, so really, it all starts with the material education, like this is what everything is, this is where it comes from, and then the rest of it is, okay, This you know, in this particular bed, we stack it this way and tuft it. In this way, we you know put it you know, wool felt instead of wool batting. So it's a bit firmer. And then, you know, for our, you know, the first couple days of sales training here is kind of a dream, pardon the pun, but you know, you got to lay on a lot of beds. You got to test a lot of pillows. You got to fill a, you know, feel a lot of different things and find out, you know, what, what sparks your interest, what feels great for you. So you can speak from experience. And I want everybody on the sales floor in their first week to go build a bed, right? Yeah. Hang out next door with our bed builders um i want uh we take a trip every year to go watch wool and cotton being processed uh, uh at our organic processor and uh, you know it's just it's like a field trip day mm -hmm. so i think uh i think a lot of the training you know yeah it's overwhelming i think for the first couple of weeks on the job because questions come from our customers that are pretty insightful but um you know it's not like we're or fashion with where you have 12 different colors or something. Everything here is white. <laughs> <laughs> well, really ivory, right? Because we don't use any bleaches. But it's just kind of uh, funny. It's, it's uh, you know, when it's all done, it might look the same on the outside. And so it's all about us talking about the process and the ingredients on the inside. Got it. Can you give us an idea of the business growth since the purchase in 2011? Yeah, we well, I think I would like to say we've tripled. We've certainly more than doubled. I think the organic uh, shopper is really um, uh, hyper active these days. People get the value proposition. It's, um, you know, so we're really fortunate uh, to have discerning shoppers. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of when it comes to the e-commerce side of the business, what are some tools that you use either on Shopify or off Shopify? I know you mentioned MailChimp as one. Are there any other apps or tools that you use to run the business? 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, for Shopify specifically, you know, we've uh, used the product review app, which has been great to get some reviews on the site. Um, we're able to offer uh, incentives for customers to leave reviews, and you can set the 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 wait time. So after an order is fulfilled, wait, you know, 45 days, then send this email. So that's been uh, pretty great. We have a chat app uh Tidio or Tidio, T-I-D-I-O. Uh, I love that great. one because I think more shoppers are text-driven these days. They want to chat. They want, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily want to sit on the phone and talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> they want no, to just ask a question and get an answer. Yeah, it's pretty surprising. <laughs> the, the, the questions that come through the chat app sometimes uh, take our sales team aback a bit because it's like, oh, wow, that seems... Uh, you know, like, hey, where is my order? But like, you don't see their name or anything anywhere, and you're like, okay, well, who are you? And well, I'd love to look that up for you. So it's, uh, you know, I I would have thought it would be more like, hey, where do can I find a bedroll on your site? Uh, but yeah, the the questions get uh, very detailed, and um, you know, I've been on there and gone through basically a mirror image of what I go through on the sales floor of walking somebody through each product, telling them what it's like, giving feedback, you know, and it was like a 30 minute chat session and, uh, you know, resulted to them buying a, a mattress and topper and blankets and, and all that. And it was just, it was uh, pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I think that's the great thing. Anytime I have a problem with Shopify, that's the first place I go is, go look for an app that's going to solve it. And most of the time I could find it. I think from my perspective as owners, and you know, don't take this as criticism, you <laughs> offer us too many choices. And so it's just like, okay, you know, we're a small team. How are we going to prioritize what it is we're going to, you know, roll out this year, much less, you know, the flavor of the month, because we've got to pick something. We've got to We've got to have some goals in mind. We've got to have a problem to solve. And uh, and again, I'm I'm not I'm not picking on anything, but part of me I'm I'm like as owner. Wow, look at all the cool kind of shipping <laughs> apps we could have. And the and you know and the team my my shippers are like you know it's not that hard. We just <laughs> put it in a box, put the label on it, give it to the shipper, and off it goes. And I'm like, yeah, but you could do this and you could do that. Uh, you know, I'm like, okay, I, you know, I don't need a sledgehammer to fix the the kind of process opportunities, process improvement opportunities we have. But it really does start with, okay, you know, I love to create the opportunity to, hey, like, I love the tools. If we can use the tools, let's use the tools. But the end user is the one that's going to use it and validate it. And, you know, I just got to have all the legs of the table excited about the kind of uh, things that uh, you guys offer us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike and Lewis. So SoaringHeart.com is the website. For each of you, what would you say is your stretch goal for 2019? <laughs> yeah, we're well. We're trying to right now uh, work with, uh, you know. Apparently, we're going to have to use maybe the the theme creators to get it done. But we want to show live inventory on the site so customers have a, a idea of what what is in stock, what isn't in stock. So that would be. You know, something that we're my answer is a lot shorter. I want to double my web sales and I'm going to have the team do it by better customer service. <laughs> so that's my goal. Call me in a year and I'll tell you how we did. Okay. Awesome. We'll do. All right. Thank you again so much, Mike and Lewis. All right. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify. To get your exclusive 30-day extended trial, visit shopify.com slash masters.